This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Hour two of the Daily Tip starts right now on the BetQL Network. I'm Chelsea Messenger. He's PJ Glasser filling in for Jenks today. In a few minutes, we will hand out our MVP of the weekend. And we have plenty of great candidates to choose from, whether it's college football, whether it's the NFL, because some games with massive implications. Obviously, we know college football was championship week, but also that Eagles and Niners game, which, PJ, I feel like both of us kind of knew was going to go down there, but I'm not going to lie. I think it took some courage and some bravery fading the Eagles at home. Like, can you imagine all of the trends you could have lined up and said, okay, the Eagles won, what, 30 of their last 34 games at home? Jalen Hurts, an absolute winner. Somebody who finds magic uh, in the last minutes of games to win it all. But still, when you see a team that is in situationally such a tough spot, and I think in the NFL, this is where it really matters the most because the NFL is such a physical league that at some point – your team's just going to be beaten up. And the Niners had 10 days to prepare for this game. Meanwhile, the Eagles had a gauntlet of a schedule coming into this one. Had a a game that was a one-score game against the Cowboys, division rival, had to go on the road to Arrowhead, come from behind, win there. Uh, And then they had an overtime game against the Bills. So even the fact that they won all of those games, that's great. They're a good team. But it just Mm -hmm. felt to me, that situationally it was a tough spot and really wasn't an apples-to-apples comparison of both these teams at their best. Right. No, I I agree with you. And, you know, I I should have thrown more on San Francisco. I probably overthought it, but you're right. When I'm handicapping the NFL, I feel like the number one thing time and time and again is just is the spot because all these teams Mm -hmm. are good enough to beat one another. They're all professionals. And you talked about earlier in the show, like, what a brutal spot this was for Philadelphia with the consecutive tough games they've had in a row with Kansas City and Buffalo. You're coming off of an overtime game. Their defense had been on the field for a long time. And then to combine all that, you're playing against the San Francisco team who had played last Thursday on Thanksgiving, right? So just a complete rest advantage for the Niners. I thought they were the better team to begin with. Even if these teams had normal rests, they were both fresh. Like, to me, San Francisco is the best team in football, and they just proved that once again. And uh, 
Debo, I mean, the weapons that they have, Chelsea, with McCaffrey and, and Kittle, it's, I mean, it's insane how good they are. And it's the perfect offense because Debo, we know what a great receiver he is, but also the way he can run. Um, and, and last night, he was, he was awesome. Right. It's an embarrassment of riches when it comes to Swiss Army knives, because usually mm-hmm. a team will maybe have one of those guys, a Christian McCaffrey type that can run and also catch passes. Uh, but the Niners have multiple. We're like, come on, man. I always come back to this. They are the only team, I think, in the NFL, maybe there's a couple, that can run like a little, you know, lateral pass on a third and 21 and actually convert it. Because we've talked about this on the show. I always get so mad when the Titans run this play on like third and 19, where it's like a dumpy pass behind the line of scrimmage. We're like, we need to go this way. What are we doing? And of course, they get tackled for a loss. But if you do that play on the Niners, Debo Samuel runs it for like 35 yards on a touchdown. So it's just, it's frustrating to watch the Niners offense when you don't have an offense like that of your own. As a Titans fan, you know, it's tough for me to watch that and not be a little jealous. Well, it was tough for me to watch a lot of performances over the weekend and not get jealous of some of these fan bases. So let's get to MVP Monday and find out who had the best weekend of them all. MVP Monday. Yeah, there's coming out of what we'll call a, I think, an unbelievable college football championship weekend because there was a lot of great games, not just in the Power Five, but in other places as well. There's a lot of people striving for our Monday MVP, so let's get right (laughs) to it. Nominee, what are you laughing about? These people listen to us, Chelsea. What? They're all about our Monday MVP. This is national. We've got people listening right now to see who we give it to. So our first nominee. Oh, yeah. Quinn yours. Texicans. Texas Longhorns. Ewers throws it. And open in the end zone. Touchdown, Texas. And an eye Mitchell. Some trickery. It's a flea flicker, and it works to perfection. Jatavion Sanders wide open for the touchdown. Byron Murphy came in as a blocker, and it's a touchdown. Thrown to Tavondre Sweat. Ewers has a man wide open again. Adonai Mitchell. He tripped up. Ewers into the flat. Blue has the touchdown. Ewers went for 35 for 46 for 452 yards and four touchdowns as the Longhorns win the Big 12 title game over Oklahoma State 49-21. Texas scored on their first four drives of the game to open up a 28-7 lead. Nominee number two, Dylan Johnson, Washington Huskies. Receivers bunched over to that side. Johnson again, bulldozes in. A flex for the Husky running game, a number seven. The Huskies running back carried 28 times for 152 yards and two touchdowns as, and also threw a TD pass as well. As Washington held off Oregon 34-31 to win the final Pac-12 championship, 
Washington goes 13-0, undefeated. Nominee number three, Jalen Milrow, Alabama, Crimson Tide. Milrow again, a wide snap. He's got a wheel wrap to Jam Miller. Touchdown, Alabama. Milrow was named the SEC Championship Game MVP after leading the Crimson Tide to a 27-24 win over then number one Georgia. Alabama's title was their 30th in school history. Milrow threw two touchdown passes in the win with no interceptions. Nominee number four, Debo Samuels. San Francisco 49ers. That's Debo Samuel. Uh Uh-oh, Debo Samuel, one man to beat. He's going to beat him. Touchdown 49ers. Samuels caught four passes for 116 yards and two touchdowns and ran for another score as San Francisco dominated the Eagles in Philly 42-19. Samuel scored it on catches of 48 and 46 yards and on a 12-yard run. PJ, as our guest, who is your Monday MVP? And if you don't agree with any of the ones that we brought up, you can go off the menu, sir. Can I just say that that was the first MVP Monday experience I've had. That was well done by you guys. Production, Ooh, sound, everything. Love loved it. Loved it. That yeah, was excellent. Four great options. Four great options. For me, I'm going with Jalen Milrow. I think it's pretty I think it's pretty obvious. I think the MVP of Texas is Steve Sarkeesian calling the plays because you can put anybody in that offense, anybody against that Oklahoma State defense and they're scoring. Ewers played great. But I think Sark is probably, you know, the bigger reason for Texas. Dylan Johnson and Washington had an awesome game. When you think of Washington, you think about their receivers. You think about their passing attack. But, you know, they had already beaten Oregon. And so, you know, it was nothing new. They just did that again. Debo Samuel, there's so many weapons on the 49ers. That Eagles defense isn't very good. They were all beat up. A lot of his, you know, the one touchdown he had was all set up. By the blocking, it was a great play call when the Eagles brought a blitz. Another touchdown was when he broke one tackle and then nobody was around him and he scored. The MVP is Jalen Milrow. He just beat a team that won 29 straight games. They were the number one team in the country. And this is a culmination of his season. And what a great story for a guy who didn't know he was going to be the starting quarterback coming into the season. He loses Everybody doesn't want him to be the quarterback anymore in Tuscaloosa. He gets benched. He comes back. And what does he do? He doesn't lose a single game in SEC play. He wins the SEC championship, and he leads his team into the college football playoff. He also had to answer in the fourth quarter. Georgia cut it to three points twice, and Milrow had an answer both times. The first time, he responded with a touchdown drive. The second time, he had two runs to get two critical first downs to ice that game against Georgia. You beat Georgia, you're the MVP on this Monday. All right, so I agree, but I'm going to give it to a different person. And I think the credit should go to none other than Alabama head coach Nick Saban. Yes, Jalen Milrow certainly had to execute, but Nick Saban just won his 11th SEC title. And think about all the eras that Nick Saban has been through. He has done an absolutely fantastic job of adapting to the times. Because in this day and age, 
uh, the day and age of the NIL where the players are actually getting paid, you would think that the players take center stage. But no, it's Nick Saban, who I feel like had the biggest weekend of them all. Because look at the coaching job he's done with Jalen Milrow. There was a game that he benched Jalen Milrow earlier in the season. And I think it takes a lot of guts to do that type of move to that type of quarterback and not expecting something to happen. Because look at how easily quarterbacks can transfer. Imagine trying to walk on eggshells around some of these kids' personalities. But Nick Saban has done such a fantastic job, even in a new era, where once again, even look at the start of the season, nobody expected Alabama to be here. And I think obviously it's not a huge shock, but still, this was not the Alabama team that people picked coming out of the SEC saying, oh, well, it's Georgia's time. It's Georgia's season now. This is their run. But no, when you least expect Nick Saban to um, be in the college football playoff, there he comes. Uh, Nick Saban, you can't ever count him out. Somebody who has won mm, seven national championships. I will give my MVP of the weekend to Nick Saban. Both unbelievably both unbelievably great picks. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen? It's time to hit Jenks's theme music. Oh, God. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here to defend my boy Jenks and his pick. It is Quinn Yours by far. He went out there and absolutely mollywhopped the Cowboys, setting Big 12 championship records doing what Texas had to do to get into this college football playoff and absolutely spank the Cowboys out of the stadium. For me, it is Quinn yours showing up, showing out, and being that Longhorn that everybody knew he could be. A hook em horns, ladies and gentlemen. All right. First of all, it's really tough to go against the sound guy who can cue his own theme music. So clearly his <laughs> argument sounds better. But Texas was 15 and a half point favorites. They were supposed to win this game. If you're going to give it to like another player or another quarterback, wouldn't you give it to somebody who was not expected to do that? Because I think everybody kind of saw that Texas was going to roll in this game. Oklahoma State, we know that they are predicated on the run. Texas is great at stopping the run. So, yes, Quinn Ewers certainly deserves credit for showing out even in this position because there are quarterbacks who did not do this. Look at Bo Nix. He was the favorite to win the Heisman going into the weekend. And what did he do? All of us were watching this game and scratching our heads and saying, this is our Heisman? This guy that's throwing two-yard passes? Uh, couldn't be our Heisman. So, yes, he does deserve some credit for that. But P.J., are you looking at Quinn Ewers and saying this is the MVP of the weekend? I'm not feeling no. it. No. Uh, Chelsea, Oklahoma State lost by 30 in Stillwater to 6-6 six and six South Alabama. They lost by 40 to UCF in Orlando. Like, this defense isn't good when they go up against great offenses. Ewers played great, and there was nothing to take away from him and his performance. But, like, you watch the game – there were a lot of wide open receivers, like wide open receivers. And a lot of it was like some swing passes to Xavier Worthy, and he would just use his speed. I mean, it's 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 the Big 12. Like, it's the defenses. I mean, Texas <laughs> got a great defenses. A lot of those other teams, not great defenses. Oklahoma State's pass defense, very suspect. So, Ewers played great, but Chelsea, we're both in agreement. I think it's got to be somebody on Alabama. Like, 
I, I mean, they beat they beat Georgia. Like Georgia hasn't lost a game in two years. So I uh, I think Saban is a great call. I told you earlier in the show. I think it's his best coaching job that he that he's ever had. And uh, I thought Milrow played great. And uh, they have this saying right now go going around Tuscaloosa, Chelsea. They're calling it Lank, L-A-N-K, let all naysayers know. And that's what this team is uh, that's what this team's built around right now. Whatever motivates you, right? Lank? What a quote. Lank. Yeah, Lank, yeah. guys. Lank. Uh, I guess Georgia has the G-A-T-A. Gator. Get after there. Bleep. Uh, So we all have our sayings that maybe don't make sense. All right. uh, After the break, we will get into Monday night football because we want to win some bets tonight. We'll give you our best picks for Jags Bengals coming up after the break. The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. All right, we're back. It is our busy season here during the football season on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. I'm Chelsea Messenger. He's PJ Glasser. We were just talking about all the bowl games, and I'm excited to look at all these matchups. Uh, Of course, we just got the announcements. So maybe later on in the week, we'll take our first look at some of these matchups. Uh, yep. But, PJ, I already heard you handicapping some of these games. You got any early plays for people uh, in some of these bowl oh, games? Oh, I do. I do. Let's Chelsea, already two, games, already two <laughs> games I bet that I absolutely love. Give me Arizona against Oklahoma. Didn't matter who Arizona was going to play. I was going to bet them, and I think they got a great matchup. They're trying for their first 10-win season in forever Oklahoma had national championship aspirations when they beat Texas, and then their seasons kind of unraveled on them a little bit. Like, you know, they're not making too far of a trip from Norman to San Antonio. I think Arizona is going to be highly, highly motivated in this game. And keep in mind, they're moving to the Big 12 next year. Texas is obviously leaving, so maybe making a new impression, right, in your new conference against a team that's kind of leaving. Like, uh, we're here to stay. We're one of the teams to beat. So I love that. As we know, bowl, bowl season, and you'll hear it throughout the network on all the shows, the number one word is motivation. That's what you look for. Mm-hmm. Ohio State and Missouri, like this is your classic case, right? Ohio State was undefeated going into the game against Michigan. They feel like they probably should be playing in the playoff right now. It was just announced like 30 minutes ago, Chelsea, that Kyle McCord's in the transfer portal. So who knows if he's probably not going to play at quarterback. We know Marvin Harrison Jr. probably not going to play. There's going to be some guys on defense probably not going to play. Whereas Missouri, this is their first New Year's Six Bowl in school history. All their guys are going to play in. Like you have a chance to go up against Ohio State. You have a chance to win a big-time bowl game in the Cotton Bowl. So those are the kind of games I absolutely love. When you got an Ohio State team where, you know, they don't want to play in these kind of games. They want to win championships. And for Missouri, you had an awesome season. You have a chance for a great bowl win against Ohio State. All their guys should play. So those were a couple games that stuck out to me. I'll tell you, the Georgia-Florida State game is really, really interesting, right? Two teams that feel like they should have been in, especially FSU. 
the way I'm kind of feeling is George is laying two touchdowns in that game. Don't you think that George is going to approach that game as like, we're, we're going to do this for the SEC. Like, we're going to show that the committee made the right decision. Because if Florida State made the playoff, this is essentially the kind of game we'd be getting, right? I mean, Georgia mm-hmm. and Michigan are are pretty comparable teams. Georgia certainly, if they would have won against Alabama, they would have been the number one team hosting uh, the four seed in the college football playoff. So I wonder if Florida State looks at this game as, you know what? We didn't get in, but we have a chance to prove that we should have gotten in or if they're like, we didn't get in. Why do we have to play in this game where I think Georgia is going to approach it as this is a game for the SEC. We're going to show why the committee made the right decision, why there should never be a year where the SEC is left out. I think that's a really interesting game. It's a lot of points, but I'm kind of leaning towards laying it with Georgia as well. Also, I do think there is some benefit in playing these games early. Because I do think, though, that Ohio State line is certainly going to move. Oh, yeah. As oh, we yeah. see the players who are opting out right now, the line six and a half, Missouri getting six and a half against Ohio State. So maybe that is one reason to bet on these games sooner rather than later, unless you want to wait and see which way the steam's going. But I can guarantee you that as soon as some of these Ohio State players start opting out, we will see that line shorten and probably through some key numbers or maybe through some key numbers. We'll see. All right. So uh, speaking of motivation, I think that's an interesting angle tonight in Monday Night Football between the Bengals and the Jaguars. Of course, the Bengals have lost their quarterback, their star, uh, and the center point of their offense in Joe Burrow. Now it's Jake Browning under center for the Bengals, but also the Jags laying 10 points in this matchup. It was eight and a half last week. We have seen a ton of money come in on the Jags. So now that this line is at 10, we're seeing a total of 40 points, which is pretty low, but we know prime unders have uh, been very profitable this season. PJ, just strategy question off the top. How far does a line move or a line have to move before you say, okay, now I will consider the other side? I'm glad you said that because that is definitely the case in this game. It's gotten to the, it's like Oregon, Washington. Like it's gotten to a point where, all right, at eight and a half, eight, eight and a half, I probably would have leaned Cincinnati. Now we're getting a 10. And like, I, I, I kind of like the Bengals. Tell me if you do this too, Chelsea, and if like your brain works this way, but. It's been a lot of chalk so far in week 13 in the NFL. Like yesterday, we had just about every single favorite win outside of the Steelers and the Chiefs. Everything else was the favorite winning and the favorite covering. Depending on where you got the Carolina-Tampa line, it was three at some point. So maybe you pushed, you got the win there. But been a lot of favorites so far. And I bet the Packers last night just saying, like, you know what? We haven't had enough upsets today. Like, at some point, one of these favorites are going down. And sure enough, Green Bay plays great, and they pull the upset. So I'm wondering, like, we had a lot of favorites last week, too. That was a weird line between the Bears and the Vikings. The Bears end up winning outright. Like, this is a weird line. Like, that's a lot of points. I know Jake Browning isn't good. You bring up a good point about motivation. The Bengals are going to want to run the ball. The Jags are very good against the run. Like, it seems like a bad matchup. Do we really trust this Jags team to, like, win a game by 10 points? Like, Bengals still got some pretty good receivers last time I checked. Like, they still got some good playmakers on offense. And I don't know if they've fully thrown in the towel yet. Like, certainly if they lose this game, maybe they do. But I think it's gotten to the point where now that we're getting the key number of 10, 
And just simply the fact like that we haven't had enough underdogs cover and even win this week, I'm I'm going to be taking Cincinnati plus the points. I think it's Cincinnati or nothing. Like I can see where maybe you would talk me off Cincinnati, but I'm not laying 10 with the Jags. Like that's too big of a number. I think in the betting world, in the NFL, every single arrow has to be pointing in the right direction. There are very few teams in the NFL I would trust with a 10-point spread. One is the 49ers playing a bad team yes. because we know this is a team that is a juggernaut, great on both sides of the ball, and also very dependable. Because isn't that a theme that you kind of sense with some of these NFL teams? Like, we put them in tiers of like, hey, this team is trustworthy to cover a big spread. This team is not trustworthy to beat teams outright that they should be beating by two touchdowns. So I'm not sure if I put the Jags in that category. Still feels like kind of a young team and not somebody I want to lay 10 points with. The other team that I would trust is the Cowboys going against like the worst teams in the NFL. I'm not sure if I put the Bengals in that category. Like they're not a great team. Obviously, Jake Browning is not a franchise quarterback. But like you said, they still have a ton of great receivers and also they get T. Higgins back for this matchup, which kind of throws off some of my props. Because when you look at props in this matchup, if you don't want to bet the spread, you can look at some props here. I was thinking, okay, usually when you have a big underdog, you take their top receiver because obviously this team's going to be playing from behind all night and they're going to have to throw the football. So I was looking at Jamar Chase and his number's really low in this one. I believe it's 60 and a half. We know it has not been a big year. If you have Jamar Chase on your fantasy team, you're probably feeling down in the dumps right now, but still it's a really low number. His numbers used to be in the 80s for his receiving props, but T. Higgins coming back maybe takes away some of the target share. But still, it feels like when you have a backup quarterback who has already developed some kind of chemistry with the receivers who have been playing, I still feel like my number one choice for a receiver prop on the Bengals would be Jamar Chase. But if you're looking at this game from a props perspective, PJ, are there any other players that caught your eye? 100%. I think the market that I would absolutely attack tonight, especially for Cincinnati receivers, is longest reception. And look at, like, if you look at the Bengals' box score last week, right? Like, they didn't do much on offense. But Jamar Chase's longest catch was 31 yards. Joe Mixon's longest catch was 39 yards. Trent Irwin's longest catch was 25 yards. When you have a young quarterback like the Bengals do, and if you're Jacksonville and you know they're going to want to run the ball, they want to make a lot of quick, easy throws, get them in a rhythm, get them comfortable, what are you going to do? You're going to press up at the line of scrimmage. You're going to send blitzes. You're going to put guys on islands. Well, that gives advantage to the Bengals' really good receivers. You mentioned Higgins is going to be back. You mentioned Chase is going to be back. Chelsea, these numbers aren't that big. Like, Jamar Chase's longest reception tonight is 20 and a half yards. T. Higgins' longest reception tonight is 18 and a half yards. Tyler Boyd, 15 and a half yards. Like, I, I don't really love the receiving yards. I don't love the receptions. I don't know if I trust Browning to get them the ball consistently. But I promise you they're going to try to attack. And he's going to give his receivers opportunities. That's what they're probably telling him this week in practice. Like, you got Jamar Chase. You got T. Higgins. Like, these guys are number one receivers. Give them a chance. Those are long numbers. I think, to me, that's the play. I'm playing Jamar's over 20 and a half, and I'm playing T. Higgins over 18 and a half, certainly. And I will say, PJ absolutely nailed it the last time that he gave out a longest reception prop on DK Metcalf. I think that won, like, three times over. But also another point that I will add, I think a lot of people think, okay, now that T. Higgins is back, it's going to be harder for Jamar Chase to get his prop. But also, wouldn't it open up 
his opportunities a little bit more now that the defense can't necessarily key in on him uh, 100%. So maybe it actually helps Jamar Chase. And I think he's been saying that to the media uh, all this week. One that I have already played, and it's already gone up four yards, is tight end Evan Ingram for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you're strictly looking at the matchup and the weakness that the Bengals have, they're giving up the second most receiving yards to opposing tight ends of any team in the league. They just got absolutely smoked by Pat uh, Fryermuth of the Pittsburgh Steelers tight end for them. Went over 100 receiving yards. Maybe has something to do with the, the scheme changing for the Steelers, obviously with the new offensive coordinator. But still, the Bengals defending tight ends has been a struggle all season long. Evan Ingram is a great tight end that has a relatively high floor. He has gotten at least six targets in each of the last five games. Uh, so his number right now, I believe, is 45 and a half. It was 41 and a half last night. So clearly some people are liking this prop as well. But still, it feels like a night where Evan Ingram can at least get 246 yards. PJ, is there anything else in this game you think better should know about? The Ingram is a great call. That's where I was going next because you're right. I mean, Friar Muth just, I mean, nine catches, 120 yards. He was awesome. I think the other thing would be would be to look at, at ETN and just his rushing yards, you know, nothing, nothing fancy, but he's been great for Jacksonville this year. You look at what the Steelers did last week. Najee rushed for 99 yards. Jalen Warren rushed for 49. Um they are favored by 10, so if things follow suit, if Jags do blow them out, cover this game, probably going to run the ball a good amount, and they're going to feed ETN. So uh, would look would look at that. His attempts is at 16 and a half. Uh, maybe go over that as well. I could certainly see him getting around 18 and 19. Um, but, it, yeah, if you're talking Jacksonville, I mean, Evan Ingram, that's that's the guy that I would look at. That's, that's certainly the player I would target. It's tough with the receivers for the Jags outside of uh, if you're looking at the receiver position outside of Ingram tonight. So up and down with Ridley and Kirk and Zay mm -hmm. Jones. Christian Kirk is usually the most consistent. Like if you consistently look, I feel like the fantasy numbers he puts up are it's like literally 11 to 15 every single week. Like he won't ever get you 25, but he won't ever get you three. It's like always right there in the low to mid teens. So I mean, if you're looking for props, like that's probably your best just because it's your safest. You know what you're going to get with Kirk. But certainly if you want to take a stab at like alternate receiving props, I mean, Ridley's the boomer bus guy like Calvin. Oh, there yeah. are certain games where he doesn't do anything. And then, as we know, there are certain games where, where he'll go crazy for the Jags. I'm laughing because I had that exact thought. Calvin Ridley feels like too volatile for me to want to put my money on him. But he has been yeah. on a tear lately. Uh, he's had at least 89 receiving yards in each of the last two, along with three touchdowns in the last two games. So maybe some value there on his anytime touchdown prop. It is plus 150. Personally, I don't like playing anytime touchdown bets. I just feel like it's kind of a crapshoot because a guy can have a monster game and just not pull in a touchdown. But Travis Etienne feels like a solid candidate. Uh, Pass-catching running backs are usually a solid play for touchdowns because obviously there is more than one way that they can score a touchdown, whether it's running it in or catching a pass. But at minus 140 to score an anytime touchdown, Travis Etienne, it feels a little bit too pricey for me. Is there a limit for you when it comes to anytime touchdowns in the juice? Yeah, there certainly is. I mean, you know, for certain players, like if you know they're, they're going to score a touchdown, I think that's a good bet. In games like this, 
if where, where the spread's pretty high and, and you really feel good about Jacksonville winning, I would look at the touchdown score and win option, right? So if you're looking at a guy like Travis Etienne, who is uh, minus 140 to, to score in any time touchdown, if you combine that with the Jags money line, you get a little bit of, of value and you get it closer to even money. So I think that would be a good play. Um, but yeah, I, this is just a tough game too, especially with Browning playing. I, I mean, Jamar Chase would probably be my bet at plus seven, 175. That's the guy that, that I like. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, game like this, I, I think the way to do it, especially if you want to bet a Jags player to score, is I would tie in that money line too, just, just to get an, even some more value. Oh, for sure. I can't wait to cook up my same game parlay. I do it every primetime game, and this one will be no exception. Can't wait to put that all together. All right, after the break here on The Daily Tip, uh, we'll talk a little basketball. NBA Monday coming your way on The Daily Tip. The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. And we are back. It's a Monday, December the 4th. Football season is flying by, but we also have some NBA to talk about. It can be tough to pull our attention away from football this time of year, but NBA, they are doing their best because we have the NBA in-season tournament where maybe that adds some level of interest for the casual fan. I don't know about that, but we will do our best to maybe use that to our advantage and how some of these players are actually playing a little bit more motivated for some of these NBA in-season tournament matchups. PJ Glasser filling in for Jinx today. I'm Chelsea Messenger. So PJ, are you somebody who uh, is more interested in NBA games that have the in-season tournament moniker attached to them? Yeah, I think so. I think you can definitely tell the intensity is is a little bit more in these in-season tournament games than the other regular season games. And from a gambling perspective, I just think it's really fascinating too, especially when we were in the group stage and, you know, there were some tiebreakers and teams kind of had to win by point margin. And in these normal games where maybe teams would pull their stars a little bit earlier, they kept them in the game so they could continue to build their lead and beat these teams by a certain amount of points. But, you know, we got some good matchups in the quarterfinals. I'm excited for this Celtics-Pacers game tonight. I got to give Trista Crick some some credit for this because I think she's right on she's right on the nose with it, that the Pacers are kind of this year's kings. Like, that's who they remind me of. Really good offensive team that is up and coming. Tyrese Halliburton is kind of like the De'Aaron Fox. Like, you can just see he's the heartbeat of that team. And he and just a great, great point guard. So, 
Love Indiana. They're at home, as we know. They score a ton of points, and they're going up against pro- probably the team to beat in the Eastern Conference in the Boston Celtics. So it's fun to get these matchups, and it's time, and it's cool to get like a little bit of taste of you know kind of postseason NBA basketball just a little bit in December. Certainly, it's not the same, but. It does feel like these guys certainly ramp it up a little bit for these games. So uh, I do think it's added to it a little bit. It does feel like this is the perfect situation for those up-and-coming teams. Because the teams who are competing for the NBA Finals, this probably doesn't matter that much to them. But for the young players and teams who haven't really gotten much postseason experience, this is almost like it. Like Obviously, nothing replicates playing in an NBA Finals. But when you have no postseason experience, this at least is somewhat helpful to these young guys. So after a five-second look at this line between the Celtics and the Pacers, I automatically thought, okay, you got to take the Pacers here, right? Getting five points, the Celtics probably not nearly as motivated. Clearly, they're the better team. But if anybody can score with the best of them, it's the Pacers. Like, I think the running joke in gambling Twitter has been, okay, you just take the over for the Pacers because the over's been red hot this season. The top over team in all of basketball. But you also have to look at their defense and say, okay, well, there's a reason those overs have been hitting, and it's not just because of their offense. It's because of their defense. And also, I will say, they play at a very high tempo. So that goes into it as well. So when you see this line, we've got the Pacers, getting five in some spots. Now it's down to four and a half at BetMGM. Total of 241 and a half, which has gone up, I think, like five points. A lot of people hitting the over here. What stands out to you? Yeah, no, I would agree with you. I would lean towards Indiana plus the points at home. And you know the total? Again, you think Indiana at home, you probably lean towards the over. I mean, they average like 230 points a game or 130 points a game at home. So it's tough to bet an under at home. But now we're really going to start to see, especially now that we're in the quarterfinal round and like this is an in this is an in season tournament game. Like, is the game going to slow down a little bit? Is it going to be a half court game? Is there going to be some more defense? Are the referees going to call the game a little bit differently? Because as we know, they call it a little differently in the playoffs than they do in the regular season. So I'm staying away from the total just because I want to see kind of how these games are called, what pace these games are played at. But uh, as for the spread, I, I would probably lean with with Indiana at home because you bring up a good point. A team with championship aspirations like Boston, I think they're certainly going to try. Their goal is to win this thing. But at the end of the day, it just feels like something like this would be more important to Indiana than it would be to the Celtics. Well, and also, like I said, their offense is really good. They have a bunch of good young shooters. And I was thinking, okay, how about a Tyrese Halliburton prop? Because this has been cash money for me so far this season. But the books have caught on. And now his line sits at 27 and a half. And at that point, I'm looking at the matchup. We know Boston plays really good defense. I'm not sure if the pace is going to be as fast in this one. Because don't you think that a team can't play at a pace if the other team doesn't let them dictate it? Like, you know, we see this in college hoops all the time. If a team can control the tempo, they will, but it's not always the case. So we have kind of two contrasting styles here where do you think Indiana will be able to control the pace in this one? Because we know they're going to want to play fast. And do you think this prop has gotten too high for Tyrese Halliburton? We know he has a really high ceiling. He's had some monster games. But like a matchup against the Celtics is certainly not the same as a matchup against the Atlanta Hawks. 
Right. I mean, he has scored 33 or more points in four of his last five games, but to your point, I mean, you know, it's come against Portland, it's come against Atlanta, he's played Toronto, so Boston's such a tough matchup for guards just because of all the different fresh bodies they can throw at you, right? Like, they can start Mm -hmm. with Drew Holiday, and then they can put Jalen Brown on you, and then if you want some size, Jason Tatum can go and guard you, so... It's tough for a point guard, and Boston knows. I mean, Halliburton is the catalyst for that team. He's what makes them go. Um, it, I mean, I feel like if people like Indiana like we do, you would think Halliburton's going to have to have a big game, so I would actually lean towards the over, 28 points for for him in that game. But uh, it's a tough matchup. And, yeah, the pace is going to be is going to be super key. I mean, an up-and-down game certainly favors the Pacers. I don't think Boston's Boston's necessarily going to shy away from that, but certainly they would be more comfortable in the half court with, you know, the great offensive players that they have in the game slowing down. So I think if this is an up and down game, it favors Indiana. If it goes at a slower pace, then it favors Boston. It's easier said than done. The Pacers usually get teams to play at their pace, especially when they're at home. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that the Halliburton props are, are rated pretty good. And if we're going to cover the spread, even though it's a tough, tough matchup against those Boston defenders, I would think he's probably going to have to have 30 points tonight or close to it. Right, just because the fact that the usage is going to be there. He is still the mm-hmm. primary weapon on offense, and also he's controlling the ball. Like when you have a point guard like that, it is um, somebody who it feels like they're going to get their shots up no matter what but i still think the best get uh, the best play in this game is the pacers uh they have been a great covering team especially as underdogs so far this season just covered against the heat winning that game by a, a large margin beat the heat 144 to 129 as four and a half point dogs so i think that's the play for me uh in that game and maybe a little look at Tyrese Halliburton as well. Uh, the other game going on tonight in the NBA is the Pelicans at the Kings. I feel like we have seen this game like five times already this season, but we're seeing it again. Sacramento, four and a half point favorites here. Total of three, uh, 235 and a half. It does feel like the Kings are another one of those uh, mid-market teams. I don't even know. I guess it's a mid-market, but you kind of get what I'm saying. And the fact that they're a young mm-hmm. team that feels like maybe they're still a year away from being an NBA Finals team. Because last year, they were the surprise of the West. A great regular season team with some great young pieces. DeMontis Sabonis, we know, uh, can really fill up the stat sheets. Do you think they are trustworthy enough here to lay the four and a half points? Yeah, this is a this is a tough game. I, I'm the wrong person to ask when it comes to the New Orleans Pelicans because they're like that team that I just can't quit. You know, they got so much talent, and you just see the potential, and I want to bet them so bad in all these games. And Zion's been able to st- stay relatively healthy, which has been great to see, but obviously they're not having a great season. They're 11-10. and 10. Sacramento's just a tough team to bet against at home, and... I think Mm -hmm. getting that experience, not only did they get playoff experience last year, Chelsea, but they got playoff experience against the Warriors, which I think is so key. And they saw what it takes to go through a defending champion, and they took them to the brink. They took them to seven games. They won an elimination game in Golden State uh, for game six. So it would probably be the Kings here for me at four and a half. I just, 
you know, the Pelicans are, are one of those NBA teams. They're they're different on the road than they are at home. But I think Sacramento being at home is the difference for me tonight in this one. So I, I would probably lean with uh, with Sac minus four and a half. I think that's what my gut's saying, and especially like you said, at home for Sacramento. But if you look at the last two matchups between the Pelicans and the Kings, the Pelicans were underdogs in both of those matchups, and they won both outright. And in fact, the Pelicans have been pretty good as underdogs. Over their last five games when getting points, they've won four of those straight up. So maybe the market is a little too low on the Pelicans. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that C.J. McCollum has not played for a, a great portion of the season but he's probable tonight uh so if he comes back obviously this will be a big help to this pelicans offense that already has zion williamson so i think it's probably a no play for me like it's not yeah i feel like the signs and the trends are saying play the pelicans but my gut feeling is saying okay the kings still look like the much better team so when you have something like that where things are pointing in different directions do you just not play it Probably. I, I think this this would honestly be a stay away for me. If anything, I would take Sacramento on the money line and maybe you you play something else like the NFL game tonight or something like that. Mm-hmm. The way my brain works is that we have two NBA games tonight. They're the same spread at four and a half. Don't you feel like one favorite is going to cover, one dog's going to cover? I mean, certainly both favorites could or both dogs could cover. That's just the way I feel. It was like we had college football on Friday night, and we had Oregon and Liberty both as big favorites. And I'm like, you know what? One of these underdogs is probably going to end up playing it close, and it ended up being Washington is the one that not only played it close but won outright. I just, when I see stuff like this, when it's like similar lines – and, you know, it's an in-season tournament game, and it's elimination game. I'm like, I just feel like one of these dogs is going to keep it close, and we both like we both like the Pacers, so that would make me lean towards the Kings like we were saying at home, but I don't know. Maybe maybe both dogs play well tonight in this game. So, it's uh, yeah, it would probably be a stay away from me. It's definitely a feeling-out process when it's a different format that we've never had before in the NBA. But I think a storyline to watch in the props market is normally the stars shine a little brighter when it comes to the postseason or like, you know, some kind of tournament. So maybe keep your eye on the star players who will be playing every minute of this game as opposed to some of these regular season matchups where, you know, they're not going to play the whole game. Uh, All right. Coming back from the break, it's time to react to week 13 in the NFL. What we learned after the break. The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.